and welcome to this week's episode of the Full Course Show Jumping Podcast. I'm Will Fletcher and as always I'm joined by Sam Gerard May. And this week we've got two fantastic guests but before we begin we've got some good news Will. Yeah it's been a great week for me personally and for any trainer around because the BEF have allowed to have one-to-one training sessions so if anyone's listening would like to get in touch I'm happy to train we can organized non-contact very safe training so feel free to get in touch and we'll try and sort something out brilliant and now on to this week's episode we've got ben mayer joining us and jen donald from horse and hound we're delighted to have join us on the podcast this week a man that took olympic gold in london 2012 he's a twice winner of the global champions tour series and individual silver medalist from the europeans last year ben mayer thank you for joining us hi thanks for having me uh, thank you very much for joining us, Ben. It's great to have you on. And, you know, at the moment, as we're speaking, you're still in America. And at the time, you've, you jumped in Florida over the winter and they've announced that shows will actually start there on the 1st of June. How have you taken to that news? Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult. We, uh, we spend a lot of time here in the, the beginning part of the season. Um, I actually have had a, an extended break. I was... Uh, I had an operation on my back um, just after Christmas, um, just after Olympia, actually. So um, I only managed to fit one show in by the time I was kind of half fit. And then uh, we all closed down. So it feels like I've been on a five month break already, if I'm honest. But um, we decided to stay here. All my horses and team and everyone uh, were here. Um, We have a lot of access to good facilities and when everything closed down sort of at the last minute that decision was based on really the sort of health and safety of all of the sort of people around me and working with me um and with no shows to go to financially it just made sense to to sit still for a moment so we're enjoying some nice weather here at the moment and um my gut feeling was that shows would open up here first national shows um, which I think it looks like that's coming true. Um, however, probably we'll wait a little longer, if I'm honest. Horses are all up and ready to go, but um, we'll probably wait until latter part of June. They have a new system here in place, uh, more like a dressage format, where they're going to give individual times, I believe, to to riders um, to allow spacing between the rounds and not too many people congregating in the warm-up arenas and things um but I think it's we're going to be on a national circuit for a few months so there's not too much rush and we'll wait for them to perfect that system before we head out obviously at the moment it sounds a bit strange to be talking about actual jumping competitions but the team of horses that you have in Florida at the moment obviously you spent as you said you spent winter over there so tell us briefly a little bit how they've been going for you at the start of the year um, well, like I said, I finished up um, Olympia at the end of last year with a couple of young horses. Um, I gave some of the the more experienced horses some time off. Um, I did have a planned break uh, for my back. I, I was in a lot of pain for well, a few years, actually. But last year, um, pretty much unable to walk half the time, if I'm honest. Um, so... That was a planned procedure that I had done and uh, spent January, February and half of March really just getting fit. I was in the gym every day and trying to improve on those things to, to 
get my health better. Um, so most of my horses were on break in January and February. Martin Fuchs actually helped me out, uh, rode one horse Gakir in the ring for me a couple of times because he needed the experience. Um, I had a, another American rider, Molly Ash, ride a couple of horses for me for Jane Clark. Um, and then the Poden Farm horses were going uh, with Emily Moffat and Cameron Hanley there. So a few of the horses kept going. Um, but yeah, I was I was on break and um, I'm now using this time to try and get those horses to catch up. No, that's great. And is that something you know, you say your operation with your back? Is that something that's been bothering you for a long time? Yes, I've had uh, I've had quite I had quite a bad fall about I think seven years ago now, um, and the horse rolled over on me uh, in the warm up area actually, and it never was right since then. I was a uh, number of years inject being injected and tried to keep me going, and I think uh, last year it just that was it. It gave up. Mm. We tried to keep it going. And then I think around June time, July, they made the decision that that was something we went to do. So actually that was a uh, lottery funding, um, Boopa Globe and UK sport and everybody there has been helping me. And, uh, we decided to push through until January and, um, yeah, I wake up every day pain-free so that's uh it's a nice <laughs> feeling to have right yeah. now and does it affect your riding or do you manage to you know those couple of minutes in the ring you can just uh ignore it a bit or is it something that you think this will really help um i mean it's hard it's hard to say really i think we're in a sport that um actually weirdly enough i i when i was on the horse it, it felt better um mm. i had a, a lot of bad pain going down my right leg all the way to my foot um i rode with a lot of medication uh sort of that that i was allowed to use last year um but it was more problems like sort of walking on and off planes to get to shows uh walking the course actually mm. i had jenny the physio lady um that works with uh, the equestrian team there come with me to a couple of shows just to sort of keep me going and it got to the point where it was it just wasn't it wasn't sensible anymore uh, to keep going. And uh, I did have a fantastic year, probably one of my best ever mm. years. Um, so it's hard, it's hard to say it affected performance as such. Um, but I also have a great team of horses right now. So mm. I couldn't live like that any longer. And we uh, decided to get it done. And I'm very happy that, mm. that um, I get this extra time right now. Obviously, a minute ago, you mentioned the super team of horses and the one that everybody knows right now because it is the best horse in the world, Explosion. But what we really want to know is, is there any other horses that you're riding that you think could sort of work their way up to that level pretty quickly? Um, yes, I'm in a really lucky position right now. I think um, sort of my number two horse right now would be Concona. Um, I don't know. There's probably a few horses in the uh, background that, some people haven't seen, um, but she, in fact, was, uh, she belonged to Podem Farms uh, originally, and, and Jane Clark purchased her for me last year. Um, she jumped a couple of clears in Hamburg and Stockholm, five-star Grand Prix, and she's only young. She's 10 years old, so we eased off her a bit at the end of last year, um, but I think she's she's the one that will probably team with or go opposite with explosion um when things start back up 
And then I've got a great team behind them. Uh, Tic Tac's still going. He's uh, 70, 18 years old now. Uh, Madame X. I have a uh, young horse, Gak, here. That I was, and Ginger Blue, both now nine-year-old horses that I had at Olympia last year. So I, I really, I don't have a huge group of horses, but uh, I have about sort of eight, nine horses, all that are capable of jumping at a bigger level. So allow me to rotate rotate and, and have a good couple of team horses and as you said there you know you had ginger blue which unfortunately i know well because you beat me very kindly at windsor last year but uh, <laughs> but, Sorry. uh, uh <laughs> no it's fine it's fine i don't know. <laughs> um but you know as well i want to talk a little bit more about explosion which i mean for me i just don't think there's a better horse in the world and if you look at the, the standings at the moment your combination you and him are the top by such a long way the distance between explosion and yourself to the second rank combination is the same amount on points is the same amount as between the second ranked rider and the 82nd ranked rider which i was (laughs) like that is just incredible but you know i I, actually didn't uh where where are those statistics i've never seen this is on the on fei on the on the ranking okay I couldn't believe it. I had a look because you were so far ahead. I wanted to know exactly. I was like, that is phenomenal. I'd love to know, how does it feel that you guys as a combination are so in tune? And and, like I said, you are the best combination in the world. And going in the rink, how much confidence does that give you? Yeah, it's it's huge. I've been lucky to have many good horses. But, uh, I mean, right now with Explosion, it's... um, He's just such an intelligent horse and he's so consistent that it gives me all of the the confidence that any sports person need to to be successful, I think. And uh there's been there were moments last year where, you know, there was a lot of pressure, um a lot riding on certain things and, and maybe maybe I feel it. Every everybody gets a bit of nerves. I get a bit of nerves um from time to time. Um, but when you actually get on him, he gives you the confidence. And I think that's the, the power of him and, and how intelligent he is. And you just believe that, you know, statistically, he doesn't knock many jumps down. He, he really has a high clear round ratio. And I think, um, you know, I just, I just believe in him and, and we're, we're in tune and, and that the combination works. I, I don't really know. I'd love to say there was more science behind it, but uh, he's just that good. I think for me, Ben, the highlight between you and Explosion would be the Global Champions Tour Grand Prix win in Prague last year. Obviously, soon after the show, it was a huge relief that you got some new owners to lock down the purchase of Explosion. How was that for you to know that he was secured in your stables? Uh, Yes, it was some strange times, uh, mixed emotions, but it was time for uh, a small change and Odin Farms had supported me. immensely until that point and still do um but fortunately uh explosion was secured for me by some uh very nice new people charlotte rosetta and pamela wright um relatively new to the sport and uh just lucky enough to secure explosion for the rest of his career and um the plan will be that he'll be with me and then retire to their farm up in washington when he's finished Ben, could you tell us a little bit about how you came into riding Explosion? 
Sure. We, um, a good friend of mine, William in Holland, uh, that I've known for many, many years growing up, uh, he gave me a call and he said to me, you know, he doesn't do it very often. He tends to breed sort of younger horses and we've done some things together. And he said, you, you got to come and look at this seven year old, um, in my local town or village, I think it was, um, I was actually over in America at the time. So when I got back, we went to see him and checked up his results. Again, he always jumped a lot of clear rounds and he was with um, uh, a girl brought him on his whole life until that point. And he, he jumped great. Um, he jumped slightly unorthodox, just like he does now. Um, but he felt careful. He felt very, very quick. He's a, he's a very sensitive horse um, to get on. You have to be careful. Otherwise, he will run away. Um, if you touch him in the wrong way, you in the beginning, we couldn't do his girth up on him. Now he kind of lets us do that. Um, you can't take your coat off. If, if it's a hot day, you can't just go and decide to put your jacket on before you go in the ring. Um, so a few of those things when we were trying him at that point uh, were you could have seen his downfalls. But I like that. He's a big horse and he was very sharp. Um, we tried him a second time. And he jumped equally as good and and kind of never looked back, really. He was part of the team and was was brought on initially a few shows by myself. And then um, he was mainly with Emily Mason there for a, a year and a half. And then I took him back over at the beginning of his nine-year-old year. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's, he's gone on to do such amazing things. And But what I'd like to know is when you tried him at the start, did you immediately know that he was going to be something special. Was there a turning point or a time that you thought, right, this horse could be as good as I think it could be? I think when you try horses, there's, there's a there's mixed, uh, any horses, there's, there's emotions that run around. You're, you're looking, you're always looking for the superstar. Did they do this wrong? You're always weighing up the, the positive and the negatives of, of every horse. Um, there was one moment when we tried him that uh, I actually wasn't riding him myself and he was put on a really, really long distance to an oxer going into a double. And he just jumped that little bit higher and, and wider. And then in the middle, he was able to totally sort of stall the engine and back up and jump out. And uh, he showed he showed quality there. And that probably was the decision maker to purchase him at that time. But I really feel like a horse, a horse like him is, is successful through a relationship. It, it's the upbringing, the, the finishing touches and, and how they're trained and cared for and the relationship between horse and rider, which make, you know, you can have a lot of good horses, but great horses like him, I, I do think are a unique thing. And that's why perhaps, you know, that there are many, many good horses and riders in the world over the last years, but certain ones stand out and probably um, a lot determines where the horse ends up and if they end up with the suited rider. Definitely. Definitely. That's what my dad always says. There's, there's a lot of good horses, but it's the great riders that make the good horses great. And I think, you know, looking back over your career, you've had, an amazing level of horses throughout throughout it with just to name a couple you had roulette and triple x and one of, of my favorites that sadly didn't get to ride for at the top level for long was seller as obviously as well as explosion how you know how did you manage to keep that up 
I think mainly I've had um, in the early days, we, we were always looking with Robin Hood and Wonderboy, uh, Rolette mm. actually, the horses came to, I think the whole good horses come to you. Mm. Um, but I am the type of person that uh, I believe you, that we make our own luck. Um, I work hard. Um, I try and I'm always looking to improve, always looking, even now we have explosion, but always pushing for the next horse to come through um and not resting on what we have and i think that for like you say fortunately um i've had one horse just kind of turn up after the next luckily and uh that's not possible without great owners as well and i have i have been very lucky i've got very supportive loyal owners that have once we found these horses i've also been able to keep them and that's uh that's probably been uh, the key to to the success. You've mentioned the success that you've had, and I think sort of the last few years of you said, as you said, have been phenomenal. Obviously, last year the Europeans was fantastic, qualifying us for the Olympics with that to bronze medal as well, and you taking individual silver. But how important was it to qualify Great Britain for the Olympics in Tokyo next year? Yeah, for me, it's the uh, it's still one of the biggest um, achievements that any rider or any sports person can have. I, I remember be- when I was a kid growing up, that's all I wanted to do was, was be at Olympic Games and that still hasn't changed. So um, I think the show jumping as a team with Great Britain, it dropped down a little bit since London 2012, but it's very easy for people to criticize maybe a little bit outside of the inner circle but it's it's about timing it's about getting these horses right at the right time and getting the riders with them and owners to back and um we had a couple of years of building again but that team was a great team there that we had in rotterdam um we all stuck together we, we really we really made it work for each other and uh yeah it was a little bit of pressure that week to get qualified and huge relief when it managed to happen but i think um, for all of us to get a bronze medal um, on top of qualifying was was well deserved. You know, we all work very hard for that, and hopefully, we can use that as a spring springboard on for Tokyo. Definitely, and you know, last year with winning the individual silver medal, uh, uh, you it was your second in your career, wasn't it? After what twenty thirteen with Seller. Was it gutting, you know, having that fence down and knocked you off the top standings? Or were you just pleased with how Explosion handled his first championships? I think um, as the week went on there, you know, I had high hopes before we went mm. in that week and the Explosion was on form. Um, he, he set off great. I couldn't go quite as fast as I maybe would have liked the first day, um, just the way the course was. So... Uh, we we were really where we wanted to be, but sometimes it's hard to be ahead mm. the whole way through. And um, yeah, that was probably one of the most painful two minutes as I went through the finish um, <laughs> when the second last fence fell down there. Um, yeah. But it's sport. It happens mm. um, for sure. Uh, there's, there's the initial feeling to sort of, as I said, going through the finish, walking out of the ring was uh, that everything had been taken away. Um I, I want to win that's why that's yeah. why I'm at the shows that's what I want to do and when I don't want to win anymore that that'll be the day that I stop riding so <laughs> um it was painful but at the end of the day uh, I quickly 
uh, over sort of saw through that. Um, you know, Martin Fuchs, he was better on that day and he's a good friend of mine. I was very happy for him. Uh, he deserved that. And Explosion is still a very young horse. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it was it was painful, but at the same point, a lot of positives to take from that week and not to be disappointed with a, an individual medal. Um, I think, like you said, just because it was the second time that it has happened, yeah. um, I don't like to wait for the next chance. I like to mm. try and secure opportunities when they're there. But uh, it was a great week. And I just want to, you know, go back a little bit. I, it's a question I've always wanted to know because Seller to me was a, a fantastic horse. And I think it, when looking back over, you know, history of British riders, I think she might end up being underrated because she didn't get that top level for such a long time. I just want to know how, I, I don't know if it's just me thinking thinking that, how good did you think she was? And if she managed to keep going for longer how much do you reckon she could have done yes uh Sella was an incredible horse she was she was a difficult horse um very very uh sensitive mare very temperamental um misbehaved a lot at home uh she would never let me in the stable with her um I couldn't even trot her up myself at horse shows because she would just like run off or try and bite me and <laughs> things like that but when you when you got on her um she was just a talented jumper. All of the parts in between were probably not very conventional. She crossed, <laughs> she crossed cantered and you always had to ride at quite a high pace. Um, but she was a great jumper and we had some great success a lot in America initially when I first started riding for Jane Clark. Um, and she was a very, very healthy horse. And then uh, we never had any problems with her. And then one day um, we had a, a problem and it was kind of, the beginning of the end unfortunately but uh yeah she she still managed to win me um a silver medal at the europeans and a, a team medal there and we had many grand prix wins and she definitely taught me how to ride fast and jump mm. offs and um and hopefully now there's a new generation of uh sellers coming through we have a yeah. lot <laughs> a lot of foals from seller um over the past couple of years so um we'll we'll be ready to see them in a few years time that, that that's great and you know now obviously you've got explosion which i mean to me i'd if there was a bookies i'd be putting the money on for the individual gold at the next olympics so you're you're still in good stead and i just want to know you know obviously the olympics has been put back but do you think that has like really negatively affected your chances for that or do you think you could still, you know, come back stronger and you'd still be in the same prime position that you would be if it could have been this year? Um, it's hard to say, really. The one thing I am lucky is he has age on his side. He's only 11 years old. Um, he he did do a lot for a nine and a 10 year old for, for what he managed to achieve. And that's why uh, when I decided to have my break at the beginning of this year, forced break, that uh, he was due that break. Um and then we wouldn't have had so long to get up and running, sort of April, May and June, uh, to build momentum. And he is a horse that likes to jump. Uh, he's he's better on the truck, going to the show, um, getting in, in the rhythm. So um, we've got time now. He's in full work. Uh, I haven't laid, laid off of any of my horses. They're all in full work. He just doesn't jump big jumps at home at all. And we'll try and build up for next year. So I, I don't see it as a 
a negative at this moment in time. And I try and I'm always a positive uh, person, but we will have to, like everybody, um, when we can get back to some sort of normality, uh, build up some form and um, try to get back where we left off. So we've obviously just mentioned there the Olympics next year, but let's take things back a little bit to the London Olympics in 2012. Obviously, you were part of the gold medal winning team. And we heard from Scott a few weeks ago about how he felt about the team and what that moment of winning gold meant to him. But what did that moment mean for you, Ben? I think uh, I haven't actually, I didn't actually listen to Scott's podcast, but um, for me, it was a kind of a surreal time um you know firstly to make your home olympic games was an incredible feeling and to experience um the athletes village and we we didn't i didn't really get to experience the olympics when it was in uh beijing because we were so separate from everything so the whole experience was incredible and we were able to see other sports and and we really were just in our as riders, we were in a bubble. Uh, you know, we were living together, training together, eating together, and we really we were. That was probably my, one of the most confident teams uh, that I've ever been on. Whether statistically we really had the chance to do what we ended up achieving uh, was probably not on paper, but um, we had some great horses, and we went there with only one thing in mind. And I don't remember anything else. I, I just remember being focused on on the job in hand and um, strange when you look back and see some pictures and that now I, I can remember courses and moments that have happened in my career. And that's one uh, moment in my career where I don't remember much of it. Strangely <laughs> enough, I think that probably cause I was so focused, but uh, definitely a, a moment that I'll, a time that I'll never forget and something that will, I'll certainly never be able to, achieve again in my lifetime at, at a home Olympics. So we've discussed, obviously, the success that you've had in recent years, but I want to go back now to the start of your career. So how did you get into show jumping when you were younger? Um, I rode, my mum uh, rode as a sort of hobby rider. She had a horse that she rode at weekends and I had a Shetland pony and I started in a pony club. Um, I'm so I'm not from a horse background at all and just kind of started riding at weekends and after school and it kind of grew from there and you know you had a very successful young rider career you won the derby really really young um, and you're part of medal winning teams at Europeans uh, then you spent a few years riding for the likes of the late Liz Edgar and you also spent time with Beat Mandley. Uh, how did those years help you become the rider that you are today? I think those were some of the, some of the best moments. I'm very lucky with the life that we have now and the owners and the horses that I have, but um, there was relatively zero expectation at that time when I left home, when I was 16, turning 17, I was at Liz Edgar's. I, I learned a lot. They they brought me into. I left home because my my parents they couldn't take me any further. They didn't know anything about the the horse world or or the business side of things. Um, and that was a great experience there with Liz and Ted, who unfortunately are no longer with us. But uh, very real memorable times. And um, 
I went from there on to be at Manly, who also trained with Liz and Ted when he was younger. That's how I ended up going to Switzerland uh, initially just for a week um, to see what it was like. And he offered me a job and I kind of never come back. So um, it were great times. Very, They were hard working times. We, we worked long hours there and um, sort of work hard, play hard, so to speak. But yeah. uh, they were there were some great moments that I had and I really grew up in that time. And I think those, those years were what set me up for, for the rest of my career. Definitely. And just going back fraction for that Derby win, which I think was in 2005. Yeah, how did, did that really help you get to the next level or did you still have a lot more to do? I think before the Derby time, you know, I, I was was lucky. I had a couple of horses that my parents had bought me. It was very small setup we had. Um, but then after the Derby win there, I got offered a lot more horses. Um, I probably took more quantity at that point than quality. I, I was trying to make a business and I took everything that was offered, whether they were young horses or older horses. And we kind of grew um, and then as, as time's gone on, I've kind of filtered through the direction that I want to go, but it was definitely, a probably a weekend that put me on the map, so to speak, and, and gave me, uh, many opportunities come from that time. And, uh, Hickstead, Hickstead was a show that I grew up since I was a kid riding ponies at and, um, one of the most av- amazing venues in the world. So for, for that to be the sort of pinnacle weekend of my career that probably moved me on to better things. Uh, it was a great time. And I, I really remember those days we, we worked hard and um, yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the, the best weekends I've ever had. In your career, Ben, you've had so many Grand Prix wins, but if there was one that you had to pick that meant the most to you, which would it be? Um... I think probably Prague last year. Um, probably Prague last year, but there, there's been one or two others. I think the, uh, I don't know what year it was, but the World Cup in Olympia with Triple X um, was also a big one for me. Not necessarily because they were the biggest Grand Prix, but they were, uh, they were the most meaningful to me for for maybe different reasons, outside reasons, or or for my own pressures that I put on myself. And and the reason I say Prague there was because I felt like I let the European Championships last year slip away, and I've fallen at the last hurdle a couple of times, um, not quite finished the job and finished second. And although Prague was just a normal Grand Prix um, competition, it was the one right at the end that everybody wanted to go to. I was last to go to jump the clear round. I did have a little bit of luck. A, a pole bounced up and went back in, but we'll, we'll forget that one right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and for me, it was just a, it was a point for my own uh, confidence that when we're under pressure, we can finish. And, and um, explosion didn't feel weirdly enough at his best that weekend. It was a very, very tight arena and, um, that really just proved to me uh, how hard my team work around me to get me there to make everything happen and, and how great the horse he was to fight for me in that last round. Whilst we're on the topic of Prague, obviously many of us have watched it and it looks like the most incredible show. 
And of course, you won the Grand Prix, as you said. But what is it, do you think, that makes Prague so special? I think that uh, it does, it for sure has a great atmosphere. Um, you can't beat uh, an indoor stadium um, like Olympia, like Prague, where, where it's a packed house. I think it's a very modernized sort of event there. Um, pyrotechnics, uh, graphics, computer graphics, lighting. Um, it's more of a, a show, like a spectacular type of show than just a horse show. Um, but I think the pressure between the riders, um, you know, we're riding with great riders and great horses all throughout the season, but all of the money, the real big prize money is all on the line and, and you, you can feel the pressure when the, you're there and uh, mistakes that people would make that that we wouldn't normally make. And I think that's pretty much the suspense around around that show that, that builds um, makes it such a great, great event to watch. When you're jumping for that unbelievable amount of money, does that really affect riders when they're going into the ring? Um, I, I don't think, uh, as a rider myself, riding into the ring, I don't ride in the ring thinking if I knock a jump down, it's going to be costing this much, or if I jump clear, I'm going to win this much. But it is in the back of your mind. Mm. Um, and I do think that builds extra nerves, extra suspense. Um, but the reality is Prague is kind of the modern version of the sport right now. It's one of the biggest money Grand Prix in the world. Um, and it's a great, it's a good system. Only, uh, I think it was 19 riders or the previous winners of Grand Prix. So it, it's really the best horses and best horse rider combinations all put together on an equal playing field at that moment. And I, I think that's what builds the, the suspense more than anything. It's uh, I don't ride as a rider. I don't ride for prize money, but obviously um, that gives added drive and added incentive to, to help pay some bills. Yes. Especially when you've had a good year as you had last year, I'm sure there's <laughs> definitely an added bonus. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Um, but you've mentioned so much today about your team and everything at home. We've had some great insight from other riders uh, uh, on their ways of training. Is there you know, any particular methods or philosophies you have when training or do you just try and take each horse, horse as it is? Uh, for me, I take every horse as it is. I, I don't try and... Indiv you know I try and individualize them I, I don't have one system that fits all I, I do think as a rider like many other of the top riders we have our own style we do have a system in place but I'm always prepared to to move that system and adapt a little bit to each individual horse um, I think the key for me is that I'm always trying to improve even this time right now um, you know I leave leave the house 6.30 every morning to be on the first horse by sort of 6.45 um, and riding until about one o'clock before it gets too hot here. But it's it's not just riding because I have to ride. I'm riding with the view that I want to be improving every individual detail that is that I'm not happy with that I don't normally have the time to work on because we're traveling so much and 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 spend that time on the younger horses. But that also goes for explosion as well. Things that I know uh, we could improve on and, and not just rest on our last results. So um, I think that mentality is, has brought out 
the the good in a lot of the horses, but I do feel that the the team of sort of staff and grooms and everything around me are key, and they are probably forgotten about. They definitely are forgotten about a lot of the time, and I think the the general care and attention to detail with with these kind of horses on a day to day basis is really the difference between uh, winning and losing in those final moments. So we've mentioned the horses that have been so influential in your career, Ben, but if you had to pick one individual person that let's say has had the biggest influence on your career, who would that be? Uh, Growing up when I was uh, watching on show my age now, I think it was Eurosport world cups uh, at home every week, probably when I was about, 14 years old. I, I really love watching Luca Beerbaum. Um, still do. Uh, incredible rider, mainly because he he won on multiple different horses. I liked his style. Um, so he he would be my uh, the the person that I would pick when I was younger that I, I really looked up to. Um, but obviously in England we've had also many great riders that I love to watch. I'd just love to know. Which horse do you think gave you your biggest stepping stone in your career? Um, I think it would have to be, would have to be Triple X. I think he would, you know, maybe he didn't win as many Grand Prix as Explosion has won, or even Seller. Seller won many Grand Prix, but uh, he was a horse that I, we broke in, uh, we bred him, we broke him in. I, I took him to his first show. We won our first youngster tour class all the way through to Olympic Games. And I think the the longevity of his career uh, while he was with me and what he went on to do afterwards, um, you know, I really enjoyed making making him as a horse and what he managed to achieve. And I think that really brought us both with the London Olympic medal and um sort of level of consistency at, at that level of show. Uh, he, like I said, he may not have consistently won as much, but it, he really kept me in the top ranks and gave me access to to a lot of shows and, and opportunities around that time in my career. No, I think that's really interesting. And now we want to look at some of the memories from Ben Mayer's career. So let's start with your earliest memory of show jumping. Um falling off actually it wasn't show jumping I remember the only thing I seem to remember when I was really young was falling off <laughs> cross country <laughs> and it was pouring rain and I was in some coffin upside down I think oh, no. <laughs> um you know and all I wanted to do was get back on and make the pony go over it and everyone was telling me I was crazy so that's probably my earliest memory and what about funniest and most embarrassing memory we've had some fantastic ones from all of the riders so what would be your your best Almost embarrassing, let's say, funniest moment. Um, this is where I should have read my questions, right? <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of anything. There's been many embarrassing moments. But uh, I think as I jumped up onto the, the podium, one thing I do remember is I nearly tripped up in uh, London, London 2012 when we jumped up to get our medal. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think Nick went ahead of me. Like we had to wait and they told us when to go and Nick jumped up before us because he was so excited (laughs) and then we all and then we were all like trying to play catch up and then I think I left one foot down a little bit and then I half like stumbled up but luckily nobody really saw it so so I styled that one out and you you said uh, like Luka Beerbaum is a rider you looked up to most when you were younger are there any 
any other riders that you would say that you looked up to and you know you tried to copy a bit from? Um, yeah, I love watching Marcus Enning. Um, still do now all, all through the years. Um, but going back, you know, I remember when I was very young. Uh, highlight of Christmas was getting a ticket to go and sit in the the seats. Um, and just a normal ticketed seat where of all the people where they sit now and watching the Christmas masters and watching John, John ride and Michael ride. And, you know, you couldn't, couldn't help but love watching those guys and what they managed to achieve on a weekly basis. So uh, many great memories watching, you know, I, I like watching any, any top riders or any top sports people to, to that point. Um, I understand what it takes to stay at that level for a long time in their career and, and what they have to sacrifices they have to make. So I have a lot of respect to, for watching any sport at a high level. So you've mentioned, obviously you watch a lot of sport, but away from the horses, what else do you like to do in your spare time and in between shows? Um, I love to sleep <laughs> when I can. <laughs> I love to just be at home if I'm honest. So uh, maybe that's wearing a little bit thin right now but obviously we're very lucky in these times to have the access to the horses and the space um but the traveling is a, a real sort of negative that people don't perhaps see um from from the outside and uh you know we have to get on planes and hotels every single week and we go to many many lovely places but it is a job and it is quite relentless as the year goes on so i really love looking forward to getting home on a Sunday night and just, just trying to be a normal person on a Monday and Tuesday and spending time with the dogs, um, going to the cinema, watching films at home and, and just doing normal, normal people things, which um, hopefully we can get back to at some point in the near future. I agree. And I think it's a really good point to make, actually, Ben, what you've just made, that it must seem to people outside an amazing life you know you're on jumping on the beach in Miami one week you're in Mexico the other but it is it's such hard work isn't it you are really never at home you're always thinking of the next show and planning with the horses and stuff aren't you yes well I mean at the end of the day I, I do a job job that I'm passionate about I absolutely love to wake up and try to achieve something new every day uh, on a different level um, so I don't lose sight of that um, but at the end of the day, the traveling and the hotels and the hanging around in airports and flight delays and things like that, it, it does, uh, it, it grinds on you as the year goes on. And um, yeah, it's something that we have to, it's the downside of the job. But at the end of the day, there, there's many upsides and it's always those travel, those traveling journeys are always made much easier on the way home when we've had a good weekend. So uh, that's what we have to look for. That's the incentive to have a good weekend so that when you're flying back home and you're tired, that um, the trip's nicer than what it would have been if we had a bad weekend. That's brilliant. And just coming away from show jumping for a minute, another one of my personal favourite questions to ask our guests is, can you tell us something that the average person wouldn't know about Ben Mayer? I love to eat chocolate. What's your favourite? <laughs> I, I um, Galaxy, Good choice. hands down. <laughs> But um, I, I can't get that in America um, right now. They don't sell Galaxy. It's Dove here and it's a slightly different taste. So um, and nobody's obviously coming out to see me. So I haven't had any uh, I haven't had any sent over in a while, but hopefully I'll get back to get something. Yeah, American chocolate isn't isn't quite there, is it? It's, 
it's nothing like what we're used to. No, it tastes tastes slightly different, but it's probably good for my health at, at the moment. It saves, <laughs> saves me having to work out as much if I'm eating less. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Ben. We've learned so much, and with your new back, no one could beat you last year, so God knows what's <laughs> going to happen now. Um, but lastly, could you just leave our listeners with your best piece of advice? I think it's important to believe in yourself. Um really really get up and try to be the best possible version that you can be and and stay positive don't let people around unfortunately we're in a world where they try to sort of have opinion and be negative and knock you back I surround myself by positive people so um go out there and have dreams and and work hard and and make them come true a huge thank you to Ben Mayer for joining us on the podcast this week I thought it was great insight and we got to hear from one of the top riders in the sport at the moment. I totally agree. And now to take a look at the industry from a different perspective as we catch up with Jen Donald, show jumping editor at The Horse and Hand. Delighted to have in part two of the podcast this week, Jen Donald, show jumping editor for The Horse and Hound. Hi, thank you very much for having me on. No, thank you very much for coming on and you know, it's part we're trying to do a little bit behind the scenes of show jumping at the moment. And the, what we want to know, this virus is a weird time for us all. And you obviously working as the main editor at The Horse and Hound. How have you been coping with that throughout this period? It, it, as you say, it has been a very strange time and things have changed very, very quickly. I mean, personally, for a start, I've, um, I'm in the situation I'm having to do the fun job of homeschooling as well. So um, <laughs> you can imagine, I've, luckily, my son is four, so I'm teaching things like how to spell cat and how to <laughs> add two and two rather than, you know, advanced trigonometry or something. And I will... <laughs> I'll, ter- I'll be very grateful for that but um, it has meant a massive sort of shift in everything you know usually this time of year I'd be heading off or we'd be at Windsor this week and I'd be heading off to, you know the international scene really kicks off at this time of year so um, that would be my normal sort of plan at, during May and beyond and suddenly I'm I'm at home stuck here with a four-year-old and uh, horse and hand work has to sort of fit in between you know um, school lessons and I do I sort of spend every evening catching up with my work that way so it's been a huge shift and um, I'm forever grateful to riders and all the people I have to interview say I have to phone them up and say oh do you mind fitting me in between the uh, you know rowdy four-year-old and a you know late evening phone calls and things like that so um i'm very grateful for people for accommodating me and you know there's lots of people in much worse situations so i'm very lucky that i can sort of carry on working but yeah i mean we've been sort of gearing up towards all the special reports for the summer you know we'd been talking about the olympics we were planning all that and then suddenly i mean we knew the virus was coming but the way it closed everything down just so quickly we had to really think on our feet and it's yeah it's been a massive shift the whole team i mean i work with some fantastic people and they've all sort of rallied round, and it's been a great team we've we've had to completely rethink everything that we thought we were going to be doing this year it's like oh no nothing like that at all and um and not even knowing when it's all sort of gonna finish either that i think that's a really tough thing we had to sort of regroup and you know quite a lot of the magazine is is full of news and features anyway so um but suddenly you know half the magazine we had no reports to fill the magazine we thought oh what do we do now but um we've we've all sort of had brainstorming we've come up with new series we've expanded interviews we've we've all sort of 
put our heads together and you know the feedback has been amazing we've just been getting emails from people saying wow you know with a they didn't think the horse and hound was going to be landing in their in their doorstep each week um, through the virus but you know it's pretty amazing that we can still keep going and we're managing to to fill it with interviews and all the sort of other things that go on behind the scenes and I'm hoping you know we're trying to get a good product out there and doing keep people entertained during these times because uh, it's not often we get time to put our feet up and read a magazine these days so I think people are hopefully enjoying it so <laughs> No, I totally agree. It's interesting, actually, what you said a minute ago, that obviously this time of year with Windsor and the international scene, but from actually looking at the horse and hound, it's amazing that you've managed to produce what is fresh content without the sports side. How tricky has that been to come up with new ideas? That's it. I mean, like I say, we have got such a good team. It, it takes a lot of brain power to, to keep coming up with fresh ideas. But, you know, we've all been th- really, really thinking outside the box. And, you know, sometimes one idea that might not have worked this time last year has come to the fore. And I think people are really enjoying like the Legend series. We just didn't have the sort of space to, to run things like that um, previously. And we were able to devote, you know, six pages to David Broom and his life and Mark Todd and all these people and it's it just gives some something a bit different for people to read but you know we're still focusing on the on the sort of the competition and the sport itself and and you know each week we've got so much news coming in you know the virus keeps changing whether you're allowed to ride are you allowed not allowed to ride you know when's the sport gonna come back and will it ever be the same again so there's so many ways to discuss it and you know hopefully we keep it fresh but <laughs> I don't know ask me again in six months time when we're still <laughs> coping it may be a different matter but uh, yeah it's um yeah definitely teamwork is is behind it all and and you know just feedback as well from readers you know they're very quick to tell us if they don't like something so it's quite refreshing to hear such really positive feedback at the moment so and then moving on from there, we've obviously touched on Horse and Hound, but I guess you want to know more about you um, as Jen Donald. So you're the main show jumping <laughs> editor for the magazine, but how That's long it. have you been working there for? Well, it's been about, it's just over 10 years, um, but I, I haven't been show jumping editor all that time. I sort of, it was a funny really, because I, it was more of a, a second career for me. I started off when I left university many years ago um, I wanted to work in television so um, I started off that way I went and I was working at the BBC for many years before I came to Horse and Hound Um, and actually it was it was through that I went I was working for the BBC Sport website um, and I you know I haven't I was never a trained journalist it was never plan A um, but I sort of learned on the job working on the BBC Sport website did a lot of racing coverage, which is my other great love as well as show jumping. Um, I do love my racing. So I'd been, I was doing quite a lot of writing and the job came up at Horse and Hound for this editorial assistant, which is, you know, it's sort of the, the bottom rung of the ladder. So um, I applied for that and was very lucky to get it and absolutely thrilled. Um, but yes, at the age of 30, I then had to sort of start at the bottom again and work my way back up through the ranks at Horse and Hound, which was a completely different job change and lifestyle change and everything like that but um it's been fantastic and again just sort of learning on the job you know the starting off writing very sort of lowly features and and building my way up and 
started doing a bit of reporting. Penny Richardson was then the show jumping editor at the time, and she sent me off on various assignments. And I'm forever grateful for that. You sort of learn on the job at Horse and Hound. It's very much kind of right off you go um, and do that. And I remember my first my first gig was at Surrey County. Um, on a very, very wet and windy day. And I remember standing there shivering in the rain thinking, this is probably quite miserable, but I am loving every second of it. And I sort of got the bug. And then um, a couple of years later, the show jumping editor job came and I was lucky enough to get that. And I used to do racing as well. I was sort of joint for a while. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. So it's been, yeah, it's been a sort of, I would say I'm sort of living the dream now. I do sort of sit there on a, watching championships or, you know, in a lovely event in Saint-Tropez or somewhere like that, thinking, wow, I'm getting paid for paid for writing this. This is not so bad. But, um, yeah, no, I absolutely love the job. And it's, you know, from being horsey from, you know, year zero, it's just it, it wasn't sort of the dream job, but it's it's kind of ended up the dream job. And mm. it's I just never thought that I could do a job like this. So to be actually doing it, it's um, yeah, it's it is fantastic. And you know, don't get me wrong, for every jet set show I get to go to, there are very many hours spent at my desk and doing all the other bits and pieces in between. So, um, but yes, I just it's it's it does have its perks. And, and uh, yeah, when it if and when it ever gets running again, it's uh, it's a very good job to have. I do love it. So when you started out in the show jumping part of it, would you did you show jump when you were younger or is it something that you had to grow into as part of being an I editor? did. Yes. No, I my horsey background was sort of a bit of everything. I, I think eventing was my original first love, but I um I grew up in a sort of very uh, country-esque part of Scotland and uh, get, trying to get to any kind of one-day events, three-day events, anything like that was uh, a sort of five-hour drive and we had three local um, show jumping venues within very easy drive. So I, by default, I ended up sort of doing show jumping um, throughout my childhood and up into um, adult as well. I wouldn't say I'm never, I was never a world beater, don't, uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I think 120 was about my limit, but um I definitely got the bug then and that's and I, again so when I was working in the television side of things I had my I had a horse and I kept them kept horses and kept them riding you know I still ride but gradually as the show jumping job has sort of taken over it's very difficult you know you're away quite a lot so having a horse has never sort of been top priority again since I do I do get my fix from my job so uh, one day I keep saying one day again I'm gonna I'm gonna get another horse and, and start competing again but um, at the moment yeah I do I get such a fix from from the job and it's you know it's all the best things about the sport I get to watch and be part of so I'm very lucky about that yeah and in terms of the sport, you said you've been involved for quite some time now through the editorial and through the passion as well that you have for, for show jumping and for equestrian sports. But how do you think the coverage of our sport has changed over time since you've been involved? Oh, it's it's very interesting, actually. I mean, it's been from even from when I first started, it was more about the magazine side of things. You would carefully compile a report and you'd say X, you know, jumped this fence and and you went into sort of detail about the rides. Everything is so immediate now. Everybody wants instant information. You, as well as writing the magazine, you've got to get your report up online. You've got to do the social media side of things. You know, everything is so quick. And if if you don't get that information out there straight away, people will find it somewhere else. Um, so that's been huge. You know, the sort of instancy of it all. You've also got all the live streaming now as well. So people 
people could see so much more whereas in the you know when I first started out you were the you were their eyes and ears whereas now people can can watch the live stream so they don't mm. want to know x people jump clear and then they jump this they, you know they've seen all that they want to know the inside information they want to know what the riders thought how the horse felt you know we that is our job now is to is to find that detail where, you know that they can't see from a live stream feed or um so mm-hmm. yes uh, that's that's more of what it's about now it's and i do like that you know it's 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 a, quite a mission every time is to to find that story that nobody else has got and uh but yes, no, it's it's full on sometimes. So you're on a Sunday night, mm. especially when you're you've got website reports to write. You've got to get your magazine report to press and choose your pictures. You know, this it can be so full on. But you know, time is just key, and it's it's very high pace. I'm I'm pleased to say I'm not old enough to remember when they had sort of typewriters and things back in the day. I don't know how they managed to do um, any kind of show jumping reporting back then or print, print any magazine. So I'm, I, we do have it relatively easy, but yeah, um, there is smoke coming out of my ears. You will see me sometimes on Sunday night <laughs> in, a, in a press centre going, ah, I'm running out of time, but uh, <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Moving on from there, you've covered so many stories in your career with Horse and Hound. What would be your favourite story that you've had to write so far oh that's a tough one actually um I would say any sort of British win makes my job hugely easy I have to say you know a championship medal or um you know even a win on home soil anything like that does make my my job very easy I was um I wasn't actually there I wasn't I was there for the 2012 Olympics I wasn't actually writing for Horse and Hound but I was in the I had a ticket of my own and that was that was amazing experience, as you can imagine. Um, and I, as I say, I wasn't actually doing the report for Horse in Hand that day, but I had to go on to um, Radio 2 for the drive, drive time slot and speak to Simon Mayo about the event on behalf of Horse in Hand. I mean, that was huge in itself to, to sort of have to convey the emotion of it all. I mean, that was a, a massive story to cover. Um, I've been there for some amazing championships in 2013, the European Championships, when we won team gold and uh, there was an individual silver and bronze, I think it was as well, that just to to be able to celebrate things like that and see the best of our sports unfold in front of you is just, it's just fantastic. Um, I think, you know, just any sort of big win like that just is you know, it always feels such a privilege to be part of. So you've got the big competition wins, but also just going, being invited to a rider's, you know, yard to go and interview them as well. You know, there's, it, that's always a privilege mm. as well. It's, it's great to go and, and get stories like that. Um, one of the best sort of most fun and most amazing pieces I ever got to write was when we got um, AP McCoy to ride Big Star. Um, and, you know, it's just one of these things that it was sort of a, a little idea that came and we we sort of put the wheels in motion. Would it work? Would it not work? And it turned out to be one of the, you know, the most amazing features that we've ever had in Horse and House. So <laughs> out of out of the, you know, left field and so unexpected, but people loved it. And it was seeing, you know, the champion jockey coming into a one metre 40. I mean, it was a decent size vertical on the best horse in the world was, uh, yeah, it was it was very special to <laughs> a, be part of and get to write about it as well. It was, uh, yeah, it was a good feature to, to be part of. Definitely, I remember that. That was, that was great <laughs> at the time. And like you said, you get to interview so many riders. Mm. Are there any particular favourites that you have? 
Oh, well, I'm an impartial journalist, so of course I cannot have favourites. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, any any rider that sort of quote a minute makes my job very easy, I have to say. Um, but yeah, we've all, I think everyone in the office has a, somebody on speed dial that you know you can go to if you need a, you know, a quick quote or whatever. But um, just riders that really sort of think and, and are happy to get off the fence. And, you know, someone like Steve Gerda, I just love because he's, he will always come out with an opinion. He's always got something to say about a matter. And, you know, things like press conferences are so difficult, I think, for riders. That, you know, they probably don't want to be there. They, if they've won a big class, they want to be off celebrating or getting home or whatever. They don't want to sit through a press conference. So quite often it's, it's a difficult job to, to get the best out of them. But, um, yeah, I would say Steve Gerda is, is great for speaking his mind and, and having a really good opinion and being able to back it up. Um, I think just as well, always, I was off a generation where I had a poster of John Whitaker and Milton on my bedroom wall growing mm -hmm. up. So um, I will always be so happy to listen to all his stories and interviewing him every time, you know, I'm very lucky to get to speak to him quite a lot, but I will never get sick of listening to, to his stories from back in the day. And uh, yeah, no, people like him make it all very, very special indeed. And then you mentioned a moment ago Steve Gerda and his opinions and how he backs them up. <laughs> Obviously, media is very, it's good to discuss controversial topics, I think. So have you been involved in quite a few of those? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's never short of a bit of controversy in, in mm. show jumping, but... Uh, Mostly um, I coming think... from my dad. <laughs> I'm ever <laughs> grateful for your dad. <laughs> I think especially in lockdown, actually, quite all our columnists, your dad especially, has been, I've been sort of getting phone calls going, yeah, I want to get this off my chest, let's do it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, now is the time for everyone to, to get those grumbles out. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's a tough one. You know, our job is always to you know, put the facts out there, try not to have an opinion, you know, we've got, we have to sort of back everything up, you know, I get told so many stories that we can't take to print just because, you know, you know, you need evidence and, you know, it's hearsay and things like that, you know, we have to be so careful of what we do. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's so much going on, you've got horse ownership, you know, disputes, things like that, we've got to cover you know some not very nice stories sometimes you know everything up to you know horse cruelty going on in in various places as well there's not nice things that has to be reported on but um you know even a few years ago there was there's quite a few cases of you know hypersensitivity going on and my job was always to phone the rider and, and to get a quote about it which is so difficult but um I always sort of say to them you look the best thing you can do is sort of give a quote of some description there's nothing worse than you know saying x y or z didn't want to comment or something you just we always say to them look if you give you time let's let's put your opinion across let's hear your side of the story you know we are there to to present a fair case for every story whatever it's about so uh, we will ruffle a few feathers along the way you know there's no doubt about it you can't always just write about the nice stuff but uh, yeah there's uh, we try and make sure that we do a good job of it when we do so I think, as you touched on there, it's important, isn't it, to, especially from a media perspective, to see the positives and the negatives of everything, because it's about that, isn't it, giving people the full view of, uh, of anything, really. That's it. I mean, even in sort of sport, you know, there's nothing more difficult than, I, I remember at the 2014 World Championships, I think it was, when Great Britain, we were, the previous year, they'd been European champions, and then it was, you know, it wasn't a very 
good performance in the end that they finished quite low down and you know there were questions to be asked you you have to sort of explain people want to know well why did they go from gold medalist to finishing you know way down down the leaderboard you know there's there are questions to be asked and it's my job to ask them and find out you know obviously every rider put in their best performance it wasn't that they weren't trying or whatever but you know there there are always going to be questions to ask and um yeah so it's very nice when they all win medals and things and uh, and do well but yes when when things don't always go to plan or you know and the riders the last thing they want to do if they're feeling a bit down they haven't had a good day at the office you know the last thing they want to do is try and explain themselves to a journalist sticking a microphone in front of their <laughs> face but um yeah I can only do the best I can and I think yeah hats off to the riders you know we may be the last people they want to speak to sometimes but um they do sort of take time out and appreciate what we're doing and and I hope that it's you know it's about building relationships as well you know I've been doing this job long enough now that hopefully that there is that trust there so that you know for every good story you write about them sometimes you you have to write something that's not quite so nice but you know it goes around in swings and roundabouts as well so and then we flip that on its head for a second and look at the positive side of things obviously you get to interview so many people that have won classes what's the most excited that you've seen a rider it's that's a tough one as well actually i think riders are so cool about it as well if i'd won you know a big grand prix i'd be a gibbering wreck i'd be all over the place <laughs> jumping around and leaping around so they are remarkably cool you know people like scott brash and they're so professional about it all but yeah they you do sort of see i think especially any lap of honor on home soil if you get a british winner you know you've seen them olympia and gcts and things like that they just the the buzz you will see but i think ben mayer winning the super grand prix out in prague last year i was out there for that and um you could see the emotion and i think there was that time that you know that he wasn't sure about the horse there was you know it was it was being sold or you know there was um he was trying to find new owners for it and everything and so there's a huge sort of backstory to that as well and for him to come out and win you know the biggest toughest grand prix there is and and to do it in such an amazing style just to to see that and the emotion from it's not only him as well you know there's the grooms and the supporters just everything it was that was i'm sort of getting goosebumps just thinking about it actually but it's uh yeah special moments like that that uh they, they do stick with you and uh yeah it, it just makes you realize what an amazing sport it is and you know it's not just about you it's you know, your horse and the team you know it's such a team effort to to be able to win one class let alone the you know the biggest classes in the world so um yeah they do enjoy it when it when it happens mm. <laughs> i don't i don't know how the riders like scott like you said do manage to keep their cool after winning a class i remember i think it was penny i was talking to after i won my first trial and the horse i was riding i likened to the best horses in the world and unfortunately <laughs> That didn't quite happen, but I was so I was so excited at the time. That's exactly how I just couldn't control myself. But you know, and actually, uh, sorry, the no, um, no, you go. The um, things like the champion national championships or horse of the year show are exactly where you will see things like that more than you know the top grand prix. You know, for mm. somebody to win, you know, the newcomers championship or the fox hunter or something at horse of the year show, that's huge, and that's when you will see the tears and the happiness and the hugs and things because you know it's not their day to day job necessarily. You know, it's it is such a huge event for them. So yeah, things like that do suddenly become very special and even like actually the Hickstead Derby as well that's when you will see such emotion because I think you know it's obviously a great prestige to win in itself but 
to get there and to go through all that and that course and you know the chances it seems like such a minuscule chance of it all coming together on the day to win the Hicksville Derby so um, that is when you start to see like you know the emotion in the press conferences afterwards are are, are quite joyous and quite uh, quite sparky, shall we say as well? It's yeah. a really good one. <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jen. It's been a pleasure. And just finally, if there's anyone who wants to get involved in equestrian media, how would you advise they get started? Oh, um, I would say write, write as much as you can. Just keep writing, whether it's for your student magazine or you know whatever opportunities you you can. Um, I'm sort of an example of you know I didn't go to journalism school. I didn't do it the traditional way. Um, it all sort of it all came from being in the right place at the right time and just getting experience and getting things under my belt. So um, I'm if, the best way actually if, it, if there's any sort of budding show jumping writers out there is to to drop me an email. And if anyone wants to do if and when the sport gets going again, the best way to start is I can send people off for you know to do a day report at a show or they can come and. And follow me and you know sort of cover me and I can teach them that way but yes write to your write to your magazines write to the editors write and just offer your services you you will have to write and do things for free to start with you know that's part of the way in um but you know even if you're writing not not the horsey side of stuff just you know any kind of writing experience is brilliant and especially in this day and age, get your social media up there, get your, you know, all those skills under your belt and then uh, you'll be in a perfect position to hopefully get in there. And we, yeah, we're always on the lookout for budding writers and budding uh, editors and things. So, yeah, always on the lookout. That's super. So if there's any aspiring question writers out there, you now know what to do. So everyone has the right, <laughs> knows exactly what they have to do. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. We'll speak soon. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Full Course with Ben Mayer and Jen Donald. To help us out, please like and subscribe and follow our social media pages. And if you'd like to get involved with a lesson with me, feel free to get in touch and we'll try and sort something out. <laughs>